I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Holy shit. What a week it's been, Um, at least in New York City. It has been a very intense week, but I would say overall good. I don't know how much you're watching or or like what you're watching. New York City, the mayor put an 8 p.m., well, originally an 11 p.m., and then an 8 p.m. curfew on us until Sunday, which he would uh, lift, I think, Saturday night or something. So it changed the night protest more. Uh, the police got more violent um, because now the curfew was used to to intimidate and to arrest, right? Um, saw it with my own eyes. Uh, had people arrested off their stoops after 8 p.m. If they were, I knew, I knew of a comedian that got arrested and his wife and the delivery guy that they were coming out to meet, um, which was deemed essential in New York City. Delivery was deemed essential. Uh, uh, which also reminds me, this is a much longer intro than I meant for it to be, which also, Mary talks about it, uh, Watch 13th. It's been out since 2016. I also did not hear of it until the murder of George Floyd and the protest. But before I intro Mary in this episode, I just want to say, um, in New York specifically, it's been intense. It's been an intense three months. It's been some sad months. It's been some harrowing months. Um, the ambulances and the sirens used to mean death, and now the sirens mean intimidation, 
uh, helicopters every day, even yesterday for no fucking reason. Like there were protests out last night, but it's like they're just using it to intimidate people. Um, what has been amazing though is to watch New York do what it always does and it came together again. It came together and stayed in its apartment, its townhouse to help its fellow neighbor and now it's coming together again. 20,000 people on Saturday walked across the bridge and that was just one of the marches. There were like multiple marches over Brooklyn Bridge. Um, if you have been protesting, go get tested. Um, oh, and before I get, before I forget, before we start the episode, I just want to address J.K. Rowling. She's fucking trash. She's a fucking turf. You do not need a uterus. You do not need a vagina. You do not need a period to be a woman. Um, fucker. I. <laughs> Fuck it all. But I just want to say that we cis women need to stand up next to our trans women when people do shit like this because when a person of that huge of a following, when anyone says something like that, it literally can correlate into violence and give people ammunition of why they think they can hurt a trans person. Nina Pop, Tony McDade, these are very important things that we have to talk about, especially in this in this new catalyst of change that we are currently in. Their names cannot be forgotten and we cannot stand for statements like that because that is that is violence. Uh, where was I going with this? But other than that, um, I want to shout out Gothamist. They've been doing incredible work. They have been on the front lines. They have been videotaping as much as they can. Protesting, keep going. Uh, I think this is officially week three since the beginning of the protest in Minneapolis uh, and shit has already started to change. So we have to go further than that. We have to keep going. Uh, that being said, I brought back Mary Dorn. She was in an episode uh, around late December, early January, where she also talks about like some racist shit that happened to her when she was younger. Uh, so we talk a little bit more about that, how she's doing. Uh, we both live um, very close to Berkeley Center, um, which has kind of been a hub of, um, it's been this like unofficial meeting ground for for uh, a lot of the Brooklyn protests, which is really cool. It's a very open area, uh, so it's easy to get a lot of people there congregated. We're very in it when it comes to being surrounded by what's happening right now. Um, so, you know, let's take a listen. Let's see what happens uh, in this episode. You're from Texas. You are from Houston or Austin? Austin. Austin. And so, yeah, like I'm from Virginia and like watching, I've actually lost a lot of followers on my Instagram, which I'm pretty sure are just people I went to high school with that I didn't even know were following me. So it's fine. But like they're, they were dumb hicks anyway. So like there was no, uh, they were, gonna, they were, they were a lost cause. But like, is that happening in Austin too? Like it's supposed to be this like progressive city in Texas. Right. Well, I'm from, a suburb outside of Austin, which was not progressive. Mm -hmm. And 
I adopted a lot of beliefs that my classmates held just as a survival mechanism, really. Um, I didn't want to rock the boat with, with anything. And I hated when people called attention to my blackness, which kids love to do. Mm. Um, so yeah, I wasn't vocal. I wasn't aware. Like nobody was, um, I was better suited to be aware than my friends because I'm black. I have black family and my dad is a professor of race relations um, but I blocked a lot of it out because I didn't want racism to exist. So like, I get it. Like nobody wants this to be true. It sucks. But once you are awakened to it, like you just have to decide what you're going to do with that information. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a place where like people would tell racist jokes and I'd start laughing before the joke was even finished. It's to like, spare myself the indignity of being laughed at and yeah and you know that's the worst thing that happened to me you know regarding race so like I still can't even I still have a hard time figuring out what my place is in all of this being so privileged and ignorant and comfortable for so long so I am a lot of people's only black friend and I remember my sister my oldest sister, um, who passed away about 10 years ago, I remember telling her about um, something racist my friends had said. I think it was when um, all the white boys at my school were calling each other nigga, like, <laughs> which I thought was like kind of endearing. Honestly, I was like, it, it has nothing to do with me. They would be calling each other that if I wasn't here, it's nothing to do with me. And she was like, well, Mary, if these are your friends and you care about them as a friend, like maybe you're okay with it or it doesn't bother you, but they're going to grow up and they're going to go out into the world and they're going to encounter black people who have no affection for them. So, you know, you should, you should tell them to maybe not do that as a friend. And I was like, I hear what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) However, I will say nothing. And I said nothing for, for forever. Even when a kid was like, I remember once some kid was greeting his friend. He was like, sup nigga. And then he like saw that I was sitting right next to him and turned and was like, oh, sorry, Mary. And I was like, it's fine. I know it. I know it has nothing to do with me. It's not about me. And he was like, but I don't really get what the big deal is though. And I was like, me either. I didn't make it a big deal. I don't know why this conversation is happening. And he was like, it's just a word. And I was like, oh no. No, 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 no. (laughs) I was like, uh, I did not have the tools. I did not have the education. I did not have the confidence. I was just like, please make it stop. I don't want to talk about this at all. Um, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I'm sorry too. I'm sorry that I let a lot of things just go unchecked. And that's why, (laughs) but whenever I see people post something problematic on Facebook, which is the only time I I'm really subject to problematic things. Not so much anymore because I've done the, the culling and the weeding and mm-hmm. whatever. But whenever I'd argue with someone on Facebook, it wasn't really to change their mind. 
it was mostly like a performance opportunity to, because the only way for me to reach their friends who will just scroll past whatever they're saying and be like, yeah, that's a fact of life. I don't have to question. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe if they saw someone challenge this opinion, it could spark something in them because I have no other way to reach that person scrolling on my acquaintances timeline other than doing a comment battle with my acquaintance. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're right. And also it kept me sharp because as someone who is still learning Mm -hmm. how the history of everything and, and what's going on right now and how we got here, it keeps me sharp to have to present facts to people because I'm coming with like, I'm not just coming with like passion and fury. I'm coming with like sources and articles and I'm providing them with the tool <laughs> and I have to look these things up and read them and it helps further my education on the topic as well. Yeah. I saw someone um, who, uh, who normally doesn't post on Facebook, like politically, like say it's pretty neutral and they, posted something and was just like basically like uh cops are bad etc cetera, etc cetera. like a good thing and then someone they posted someone commented being like uh you guys are lying about trump it's false it wasn't tear gas blah 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 he just said it wasn't tear gas and then the guy was like hey i'm totally cool with you commenting um and not having the same opinion as me but if you don't come in with a source that uh is known for firing its writers for uh incorrect um, statements in articles and uh, something else, like, I will not listen to you. And I was like, that is the perfect response of like, let's see your sources. Like, yeah. is, it, is it Breitbart? Is it these weird, like, conservative websites that you've never heard of because they is are reliable? Is it Reddit? <laughs> um, but also, like, I wouldn't blame yourself for, like, for what happened in high school and not feeling like uh, you didn't want to bring up like the n-word with your friends like why it wasn't okay to say because you're like you're right like you didn't have the tools or the vocabulary because you were you like you were a child like that's really really hard and I don't know I just it's I don't think you're the to blame for not being aware of as much as you wish you had been when you were younger like I don't I think that part of it was like you said like a survival mechanism And then that's like, that's our fault that you had to feel like you had to not say certain things or be okay with certain like jokes, et cetera, et cetera, just to feel like you were, yeah, safe and like protected. And like, that's not fair. And that's not on you, especially as you're like, you're a child, like you're a child in high school. I don't think I felt like an adult until I turned 30. And even then it's still like, meh, I don't know. (laughs) Some days more than others. Um, but yeah, thank you. I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, that makes me feel like I've been wanting to, to reach out to my high school and be like, how are you talking about these topics with your students now? And I should do that. And I will do that. I will do that. Um, but yeah, I was, I was going through my head of like all the ignorance shit that I used to believe um (laughs) or just um yeah I just ignored a lot of things because they were uncomfortable and because I didn't want to make other people feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. 
and because I didn't want racism to exist. And I knew no one else did either. And as long as we didn't talk about it, maybe it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's I feel like before this, it's the the camps where I don't want when it comes to like not wanting racism to exist, I think the camps where I don't want it to exist because it's hurting me exponentially. And the other camp is I don't want it to exist because then uh, I have to give up some of my equality, which doesn't make sense because just like people asking for equality doesn't mean you'll get less equality. It just means... It's not pie. It's not... Yeah, it's not fucking pie. Like That's the perfect way to put it. It's not fucking pie. Um, I did not come up with that. That was a tweet. Um, I wish I knew who came up with that. I know I wish I knew too because it's perfect um I saw another meme too and I, I don't remember who wrote it but uh it was like white people are lucky that we just want equality and not revenge and that's what people are, are like the people that are really fighting this are afraid of it's like they're afraid of what they don't want to be treated the way that black anyone black in America has been uh including like black Americans immigrants um undocumented like they know how bad it is yeah it's like like what tony morrison said she said um i'm gonna butcher this quote but she was like only whites get to be american everyone else has a hyphen Mm -hmm. and like that's like really a very good way to put like how not that like people don't already already know this but like how bad the power struggle is or the caste system is it's like if you say american you automatically assume that they're white unless it's like African American, Chinese American. Um I don't know. Like I was just like that one really hit me hard when I was like I I was so uh, blind to it cuz I mm-hmm. I never noticed it. It reminds me of when um uh one of my boyfriends in the past was black and he showed me he was like watch how many people show black people show up on these commercials and it was like maybe out of like five commercials there was like one black person and I could never like unsee it. He was like, yeah, like that's what representation is for uh, black people in America. Like that's all you'll see on TV. All you'll like see in books and this and that, like that's all we get. And like, I just never could not see it again. And then because he told me that like years later, one of the kids I nannied pulled up like a fucking Buzzfeed uh, that was like, um, it was like 36 questions like black people have for white people. And one of them was like, why do you think one person in an ensemble cast, one black person in an ensemble cast is diversity? And the kid looked at me and was like, but that is diverse. And I was like, no, it's not. And he was like, yeah, that as long as there's someone black in the cast, that's diverse. And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, you got to you gotta put this down to percentages. Like that's 10 people, one person. What is the percentage of black that you see there? And he was like, oh, 10%. I was like, is that a good percentage? And he was like, no. And I was like, and that's why, like, you have to start looking, you have to start seeing who's being shown and who's not being shown. And I've been with that family for like a little bit. But when I was younger, I definitely didn't have like the vocabulary to figure it out. And it was also just like super ignorant to a lot of things, not realizing uh, that like kids need someone, an adult to be like, no, no, this is racist. And if they don't mm-hmm. have that. That's when you get more racist in a racist system. And they can't see past just like, they can't see why it's, you can be racist by not being outwardly mean to people of color. Like they don't understand, that's just the system that was created. And it's harmful to everyone, Mm -hmm. Um, racial hierarchy, even people at the top. Like 
I feel like Trump is a response to the trauma of white people being at the top for so long and having being lorded over by a black president all of a sudden, like Barack Obama was born into a world where he, you know, people of his complexion couldn't vote. And then he became president like that (laughs) is, I I imagine that would be very off-putting and scary to a white person. He's like, Oh, this is happening so fast. Like white people like to be able to control the valve, Mm -hmm. you know? But then it, uh, it's getting out of control. We have to cap it with Trump. We have to, we've, it's gone too far. We got to cap this. It's spraying in all directions. We can't control the water pressure. We're drowning. <laughs> we need to get this shit under control. Um, and yeah, it makes, it makes me sad for the white people who are so scared to, like you said, someday become a minority it's almost as if minorities in this country are treated poorly you know um. <laughs> yeah if you if people can't see uh i i do not have the word for it i always can't think of the right words if people can't see that they don't think other people are treated the same way like if they can see it but won't admit that there's a problem uh oh i just but, burped um yum then that's a big problem. I don't know how to put it. Um, what have you and Bob been doing though, like in quarantine? Like, how have you been staying sane, feeling like? Are we staying sane? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is still working. He still has his job. His office is our dining table. And I try not to bother him. At the beginning, I, well, at the very beginning, I was like, this will blow over. So I'm just going to sit on the couch and snack until we're done. Um, and then I was like, I should probably get off the couch. It's been a few weeks. Maybe I should do something. So um, I started doing self-portraits. Oh, yeah. That's great. Thank you. Yes. That project. Uh, is it ongoing or was it short-lived? Um <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of fell off of the wagon. I wasn't on a wagon with (laughs) self-portraits. That's not how wagons work. Um, Anyways, I I fell out of doing that because it didn't feel important (laughs) in light of everything that's happening. Um, Even before that, it was hard for me to motivate myself without even knowing, like, what the world was going to look like. But for a while, I was like, I got to hustle because when we get out of here, I want to hit the ground running, and pick up where we left off, only, you know, having furthered my contacts and my work and cleaned up my resume and my website and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do that. So I did that a little bit. Um, and I stopped doing that. I picked up on uh, weaving again. Oh, cool. I had a, I have a loom and I had a half finished uh, wall hanging for like two years, just leaning against the wall. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to weave again. And, uh, now it's back against the wall, but I did weave that day. I, I did weave that day. Um, <laughs> other than that, it's just a lot of scrolling and I have to pull myself away from social media because there's so much else 
to see and look at and learn. Like I'm telling everyone to watch 13th. Have you watched 13th? No. Is that on Netflix? It's on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Ava DuVernay endeavor and it's excellent. I watched it when it first came out uh, a couple of years ago, but I want to revisit it because um, it basically explains how slavery was never really abolished. It essentially just transformed into the the prison system. Oh yeah. Someone, um, Jess Henderson posted on Instagram, uh, the, the 13th amendment or whatever. That's like slavery is abolished or is illegal except in, uh, terms of like punishment or under law. Mm -hmm. I have to find the exact wording, but I had never seen it before in my life. Um, and she was like, yeah, and this is why the prison system exists. And I was like, holy fucking shit. Um, had no, like literally that was like three days ago. I was like, oh my God, I had no clue. Like, why are we never taught this? Why is this not, why was this not in my AP government history class? Yeah. But it was just like, holy shit. Like it was, again, it was just one of those moments. Like, holy shit. I have to watch this 13th. Yeah. 13th. Um, I'm, I have to, I'm going to post something in my stories that just says like, don't talk to me until you watch 13th. (laughs) (laughs) But um, to go back to like feeling like not having any energy, I think like for me too, like that was really, really hard was like everyone like Instagram and social media just felt like it was like, again, two camps. It was like, I'm hustling my ass off. I'm doing so much great work on qu- in quarantine. And then there was the whole, I can't get out of bed and we shouldn't have to. And so having, I had to like learn to be like, you do not have to be productive right now. Like you're a goddamn mess. Like what? Why, why aren't you taking care of yourself first before this? Cause, cause I think we also forget, like we've had the, uh, like basically America asked New York city to wait in their apartments for two months straight. So like the government could figure out what the fuck to do to contain mm-hmm. it. And then they never did. And then they never gave us any like rules. They never gave us like any like plans. Like I keep hearing Cuomo saying we're going to open up on Monday, but I have yet to hear a plan for the subway but he's expecting 400,000 people to be able to get in the subway and socially distance and like how there's no plan and like shit like that. And so it's like, of course that's going to affect you and you're not going to want to make like self portraits or weave like when there's absolutely no leadership and we're expected to figure it out on our own, but then get penalized when we try. uh, It's like, what did you expect from us? Like almost all of us, not all of us, but like there's, 50% 50% of us are unemployed right now. They've either lost their jo- their jobs or furloughed or something like along those lines. And it's just like, what? You have to give us something. You have to give us some semblance of a plan. Um, and then uh, George Floyd happened and it was just truly in a, in a very we- weird silver lan- line- lining. It was like, I don't know if the protest would be as loud if it wasn't for the pandemic Mm -hmm. like after watching after watching like even like in new york where it was like everyone like our numbers are so bad people are dying at an alarming rate and then once it came out that it was majority like black and hispanic people were like on ventilators all of a sudden it became like oh well black people like aren't eating right or taking care of themselves and it it switched from being like how do we fix covid to like oh you have to do the work yourself so I feel like these past like three months with all these like micro and macro aggressions on t- like inside the pandemic 
of asking people to be essential employees all of a sudden that weren't getting paid correctly and uh, didn't sign up for this and getting sick and then not getting the care they needed. And then all of a sudden it was like their fault. And then just watching like after like person after person again, get fucking murdered. And all we have is scrolling through our social media. Like, I think it's a big part of why this has erupted in such a good, like big and good way. Like it's awful. Like the circumstances that it came to, like to get to this point, but I'm hoping like that's, that it's going to be a really big catalyst for change. I don't like, I don't know if I make any sense. No, you are absolutely making sense. And that's exactly how I feel too. I'm like, I, I'm just emo- incredibly encouraged whenever friends from high school who have been, and friends from college, friends from adulthood who are white, who have never posted about any of this, never talked to me about any of this, I assume aren't, were previously not taking any actions, um, are changing that. And so many people who I haven't talked to in so long have reached out to me. My, my best friend from middle school and high school, we, we drifted apart a little bit because I had a suspicion that she was a Trump supporter. Um, and she, after I lose track of which killing, which police killing this was, um, of an unarmed black person, but she posted, um, something about all lives matter, blue lives matter. And I was like, okay, I have to talk to you about this. And I sent her a private message expressing probably not in the most polite terms, but I'm, I don't know. I, I've never said anything I regret out of anger. So like, I know that I, (laughs) I was still probably pretty nice. Um, and I could tell just with the quickness of her responses that she was not reading what I was sending her. Uh, um, she immediately was just like, you need to take a step back and check yourself because obviously I did not mean it that way. And like, you know me and you know my heart and you know, I didn't mean it that way. I'm just saying we should, I don't know, uh, respect the police. Um, and that put a lot of strain on our relationship and it sucked because we had a lot of history, but I was like, we were going to have a talk about it, but I was dreading it because this was like seven years ago mm-hmm. and I still wasn't as educated as I am now. And, um, I was like, not very confident in my blackness and in my, um, drive to speak and in the appropriateness of me talking about these topics, having never experienced police brutality firsthand. So anyway, when she was like the day we scheduled our talk, she texted me and was like, I thought about it. I don't think we need to have our talk. I'm sorry. I hurt your feelings. Let's just move on. And I was relieved. <laughs> I was very relieved. But then with time, I was like, shit, that was a missed opportunity. That, that was a mistake. Um, but she reached out to me, sent me a long text saying, I know why we went through what we went through back then. I'm so sorry. And it was so moving. It was such like a weight off my shoulders. It's a weight off my shoulders with all of my friends because it's just not something I felt I could talk about before. Mm. And yeah, 
it's nice. The black boxes were nice. The black squares on Instagram. I was like, okay, I have now, that is a visual signal to me that you are ready to do the work and that you will not shrink back from me discussing these things with you. And you are a safe place for me to not worry about making you feel uncomfortable, (laughs) which is very liberating. That's good. I I will admit I got very mad from the black boxes um, for two reasons. One, because I wasn't fully informed on like what it was supposed to be about. Um, I did feel like it was like safe. Like, like when white people were like, "Wear safety pins," and I was like, "That's not enough." Um, but I also thought it. I thought it was started by the music industry being like, "Yeah, we're gonna black out the radio." I read somewhere that they were gonna pause the radio. Um, the radio or like something like, yeah, it was like, we're going to like pause the airwaves to reflect on like what we've done wrong and like how we can do better. And then I got so mad because I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Uh, we've literally stolen everything from black musicians. Like that, like pausing, I don't know, is, uh, is not okay. Um, and I got super mad. And then I found out that it was like eight or nine primaries that day. And I was like, this feels like a tactic to like make people not look at social media and miss these like important times to vote, et cetera, et cetera. And I got like really mad. But I'm glad that like there is there like there was like, definitely good in it for sure. But it, it's kind of like you were saying earlier, it was just like it happened out of nowhere. And then it got really confusing really quickly. Yeah. Um, and then I felt bad for being like, I was kind of very vocal about being like, this is dumb. And then I I felt bad for that. I was like, oh, but people like, it is getting people to like, show their solidarity on social media. And that's kind of all we have right now. Um, why am I being so angry about this? Like, this isn't, uh, like, my voice does not need to be heard during this shit. Like, you have to like, I have to remember, like, stop and like, listen and like, not um, respond because they're not asking for a response. They're just asking for you to listen, like actively listen which is like what Mm -hmm. we white women like really have to work on, which is like actively listening and like moving to the side and like making room on like on the milk box, you know, like to that way we're amplifying, amplifying and like including and not being like dumb white feminists anymore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. America is black. Um, Every popular, all of our major cultural exports were created by black people. And yeah, the, the square thing confused me. I thought it was just music industry. And then the morning I woke up and saw that other people were posting the black squares. I was like, well, I'm a basic bitch. I'm not one to miss a trend. So I wanted to be included, but I also wanted to let people know not to use the Black Lives Matter hashtag, which I learned right before I posted my black square. Um, but then it just turned into this incredibly polarizing thing and kind of this kind of trying to like out liberal each other. I'm not saying that you did that by saying that, you know, the black squares were problematic because they were, they, they caused issues for people who get a lot of their important information from Instagram. Um, but I think that's kind of a sign that, you know, we, we should exercise other outlets and ways to get our information. I didn't know about the, um, 
elections thing, even at the end of the week after the after the fact. I had no idea that that happened. So that that's an issue for sure. I didn't see that anywhere. It's social media is such a double edged sword. I didn't know about the primaries until someone else posted about it, and I was like, "Fuck!" Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like the internet. It's like who someone said like. The internet's great because it gave everyone a voice, but then the internet is awful because it gave everyone a voice. Mm, like, yeah, it's um, hard to cut through the bullshit. Mm-hmm, totally. But I will say, if you want to um, be like more in the action of the protest, like I didn't go out yesterday because I was still like I was shook. Like I said, um, yeah. And so Aaron went out, and I was like. Well, so and I just ugh, I don't know why I just blanked there. Um, I got on Twitter and one all like Gothamist Brooklyn paper, all like the small New York publications are like in it. They're mm-hmm. all they're all at the protests. Some of them have been arrested because like the cops are like, we don't care that you're press. They're taking live videos, like they're like they're like it's all live. So I was watching like a few, um, I think like Dave Cologne. I'm not sure if you know Noah Horowitz. Um, yeah. So they were, they're both at like the, the March that like Aaron was at that last night. And so I could like live watch. Um, I couldn't see Aaron cause like they weren't like together together, but I just knew I was like, this is the one that he's at. I know what's going on. So I don't freak out. Like when he doesn't text me right away. Um, and then you can go on NYC scammer scanner, I guess the hashtag, mm-hmm. uh, and you can just watch like everything pop up, like what's being said on the, on the, um, <sighs> Oh, wait, I, I nodded like I knew what you're talking about because I have a police scanner app, but that's not what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that is what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so some people so some people every night get on Twitter and they're like, I'm doing scanner duty. And they listen to the scanner and then post it. So people can be like, they're like, oh, hey, like they're bringing like a big bus to like uh, 57th and Madison. Like th- this is where they're headed. Or a lot of people just got called to Brooklyn bridge. Um, it looks like they're trying to get ahead of like a March at, uh, Washington and Fulton or something like that. Even though those are two, not streets that cross at any point. Um, most people don't know. That. Yeah. Most people don't know. Most people don't know. <laughs> so like, but it was like cool to be like, okay, I can watch. I know like, these are like the cross streets that they're at. I can see if they're trying to like kettle them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's also it's also nerve wracking. I like legit. Okay, here's my favorite thing about being 31 going to protest is I have to bring Pepto because mm. I'm too old and my stomach gets too nervous. So like I was like <laughs> watching the tweets and then immediately had diarrhea and I was like, why are you this nervous? <laughs> like you're not even there. <laughs> and I was like, thank God, like I'm not like out there. But um, yeah. 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 Well, thank you for going out there when you go out there and fighting the good fight despite your discomfort that's that's awesome and using your platform i really appreciate that anytime and it definitely like def- more definitely needs to be done by me and like other people like me for sure so i'm glad you're feeling more safe to 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 like vocalize your opinions and um i'm really i'm really glad to hear that like your best friend from middle school and high school kind of like wised up and like un- like realize where they were wrong even if it was seven years later it gives me hope of like because i have like a lot of family in the south that i'm just like you guys are lost causes uh and it's like maybe they're not maybe if i just keep having more uncomfortable conversations with them maybe they won't be what i assume they are um 
but it's are like, you close with that part of your family otherwise no I actually haven't seen I haven't seen a lot of them in like maybe five years um where they are from can be very problematic is very mm. problematic um, but also, oh, you brought this up about like wanting to talk to your high school. Um, someone, a comedian I know who's also from Virginia has been like actively petitioning to have the name of their high school changed because it's named after a Confederate um, general. Mm. And it looks like it actually might be like they're getting they're getting traction now because now there's this big statue in Richmond of mm-hmm. Robert E. Lee, Robert E. Lee that's being taken down finally. And so, like, in Virginia, there's a lot, like, um, I'm trying to think of names. I think Jefferson Davis Highway. I'm pretty sure that was a Confederate soldier. Jefferson Davis. Was he? Hold on. I want to look that up. Basically, all these roads, all these high schools, like, all these places are, like, named after, like, Confederate soldiers and, like, generals. Yeah. Um, what did Jefferson Davis do? He, okay, okay. Jefferson Davis was the um, politician that served as president of the Confederate States. From mm. 1861 to 1865. Yeah, that's that's deep. That's deep in there. That's in there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's just like all these places that's just like we don't we don't need these names on high schools. These could easily be changed. Um, it is a constant reminder of active racism. Like we can we can fix this but, and treason and treason. Which <laughs> there's so many people that all of a sudden don't like. People being outside, they're calling it treason, but they didn't care when they wanted to get their nails done. Um, which yeah. I, I still will never understand. So, like, the the cognitive dissonance that it takes to not understand the irony of everything they say and do. I don't know. It's very strange. A lot of people are... I mean, this this is kind of off topic, but bringing up how how Joe Biden is a creep and has assault accusations and not liberals do that, obviously, and that's right. But when Republicans do that, it's like, oh, you care about that? That matters or or what? I don't understand. Why are you bringing that up? Like, we know that we're we're trying to deal with that and figure it out. But like, what are you trying to do? Yeah, that's <laughs> a really good point. Um, cause yeah, it's like, choose your lane. Like you're either it's, there's not, you can't pick and choose people. Like either you hate all people that have rape and assault allegations or you don't, but you can't pick and choose. Um, yeah, I brought that up with someone cause someone was like, oh, I, who was it? It was like someone in my family that was like, yeah, but you guys stood by Bill Clinton. And it was like, mm, no, we didn't. We all think he's awful. We all think what he did was terrible. <laughs> and we have openly said that. We don't stand by it. Uh, but butter emails. Butter emails. Okay. Mm, um, emails. But you know, you said it perfectly. It's just like the, the mind jumps you have to make to rationalize that to how you want it to sound is just like horrifying. But okay, if that's where you want to put your energy, okay. Yeah. It's all so weird. It's so weird that we're here. I saw a video on Twitter that was just simple video of Barack Obama walking through a park, saying hi to people, shaking their hands, asking their names, people being rightfully excited. Mm-hmm. Um, 
at seeing at encountering Barack Obama. And I was just weeping because just remembering when we could go to parks, when we could see each other's faces and shake each other's hands and had a president who liked us and who we liked back. And I was like, wow. And there's literally writing in the streets. Like it's crazy. Every time, like it was crazy enough to just have Trump and his rhetoric, but all the shit that's happening now with Corona and the rioting and the murder hornets, and we're coming upon hurricane season. It's probably going to be the worst one ever. It's just really just so crazy. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand how people like who is having a better time now. Who is winning? <laughs> I mean, I think the only person whose I've life has improved. Just Jeff. Just Jeff Bezos, man. I think that's it. Oh, yeah. He's living the dream. Everyone, He's doing great. Everyone else has been <laughs> fucked, though. But you're right. What I was, I think I was talking to Aaron, but I was just like, I don't get how he doesn't care. Like, he doesn't care at all about what's happening or when any of it started. Like, he really didn't care. And it blew, like, I don't understand not being able to have any type of empathy or have any type of uh, uh, want to have a plan to at least seem like you're doing a good job. Like, yeah, know. like, was that always his thing? Or is that just you reach a billion dollars and then you're done? I don't know. I don't know. Several hundreds of how many billions? Uh, too many billions. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> I think Jeff, like, oh, fuck. He's got so many. It's like hundreds. Um. But, like, more so Trump that, like, just does not, does not care. Oh, yeah, that's always been his brand. I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything interesting to say about that. But what I was going to say that might be interesting is how surprised I was that my friends don't... I was about to say my friends don't know anything, which would have been so unfair and mean, and I would have regretted it. Um, but my friends miss things that are very obvious to me, and I'm like... Is it me? Like, did I, how did you miss this? Because I, I, this requires an example. Okay. So I have one friend who a few months ago revealed that he didn't really know what trans people were, or what it meant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I have another friend who I was suggesting that he buy a book that so we read, reread a book together and I was like, but don't buy it from Amazon. And he was like, why? And I was like, oh. And then I have another friend who was like, who has finally started posting about things that are happening. And um, she was like, well, I didn't know that me not saying anything about it implied that I wasn't outraged. And I was like, oh, that's weird because... That just seems very obvious to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it is. You're right. Um, yeah, I, I just am more focused on making other people feel comfortable. And I also have this thing where I assume that people know things that I like. Am not, I am incapable of introducing an original idea to anybody. Because I figure by the time it gets to me, other people should know it. Which is silly because I spend most of my waking hours scrolling on Instagram and most people don't do that. <laughs> no, most people do do that, but which has like been such a big problem and which has been so important that people are calling out like performative um, activism has been mm -hmm. that like 
a big problem in the past when it was Eric Garner or when it was Sandra Bland or when it was uh, Tamara Rice was we were all still very, very willing to look the other way out of convenience because to make a change like defending police departments, um, which I did not know until this week, uh, I always thought police were around. It was not. Um, it was uh, originally started to for white people if their slaves ran away. Yeah. So to have, I didn't even know that, but to have such a radical change of like a, a nation all of a sudden being very okay, a big group of the nation being very okay with defunding the police takes a radical, radical, loud change. And it's hard and it's gritty and it's uncomfortable. So like me in the past have been like, oh, this is so sad. I can't believe this person died again. Here's two posts and then it disappears. Which has been, yeah. again, like, I'm not sure what fully made white people be like, oh, no, like, we're so wrong. People didn't know things because they didn't want to know things. Yeah. Like, we were actively looking the other way. I was actively not educating myself on real details of American history, of the feminist history, of, of police brutality. Uh, not realizing how much it is affecting the nation because it would be inconvenient for me. So like Mm -hmm. when you were saying like, I just thought people knew it was because they just didn't want to know. Does that make sense? Like I just didn't want to know how bad it was. Again, like I don't know why now is it so intense and so big in such an amazing way. Um, But yeah, it's like thank God yeah. we at least got here, um, mm-hmm. and like like let's keep it going. But but people have to be willing to educate themselves, and it's not fair to and you now, to have to always educate people. Thank you. Yeah, it's and especially now when nobody has an excuse. Like like you said, we're all scrolling on Instagram now. That doesn't make me special anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> nobody has an excuse. Nobody can escape it, and everyone has the time to educate themselves that they didn't have before. And, um, yeah, this, this is the moment it has to be, Oh my God, if we have to fucking keep doing this, I don't, I don't know. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, um, I've been talking more to my 14 year old nephew too. Um, who is being raised by my parents since my eldest sister passed away. And he, just like the knowledge and the exposure that he has from having access to Instagram and the internet and following me, um, is just awesome. And it's awesome, but I also feel bad that, you know, he's a kid and he has to deal with this weight, but like, he's a kid who is safe in the suburbs. Like I would have been at his age. And people just, people just got to learn. Where was I going with this? Oh, I remember once my mom told me that my nephew had expressed that he didn't want to be black. He's half white. He didn't want to be black because it was embarrassing. Mm. And I felt that so hard because it is embarrassing to be like 
the kid that everyone turns around and looks at when history is being discussed in history class. And there's so much focus on the, on slavery and struggle. And it's like, where does the pride come in? Where does pride come in? Um, so I've been doing independent research on, um, black historical events and figures and jazz music (laughs) and, um, feeling proud to be black for the first time, like actively proud, like, I don't know. I had to teach myself and find the pride, but I found it and it's not at all embarrassing. People, yeah, the the whole narrative of the, of overcoming everything that black people have had to endure is lost, I think, in a lot of history curriculums. Um, And I think it's important to tell those stories so that, uh, I don't know, when, when my friend from high school, we're going through the Blue Lives Matter discussion a little bit. Um, she reached out to our other mutual friend and was like, I'm so confused. She's never been all Black Pride before. <laughs> I was like, first of all, I'm not being Black Pride by just saying that saying Blue Lives Matter is stupid, but okay. Um, but yeah, she was right. She was right. Because I just wanted everyone to politely enough not point out how I was different. Um, Now I'm leaning into it a lot more and it feels better. Guys, thank you so much for coming on this journey with us. Uh, You can follow Mary at BKBAP, B-A-P, on Instagram um, and see all her photography and her points of view. And just, you know, she has a really cool Insta following. Um, I love her profile. Uh, I want to thank Mary for coming on. And remember, if you have been protesting, to keep wearing masks, keep hand sanitizing, keep hydrating, uh, get checked out so we can hopefully keep this spread down. It is low in New York. We want to keep it as low as we can. It's been 100 days, guys. The days are long, but the months are fucking short, and and it's crazy. I can't believe three months have gone by. But again, I know my podcast says Awkward Sex in the City. And like I said in the last episode, um, you cannot have true sex positivity without a huge array of items, including racial equality, uh, access to housing, food. If you can't check off the basic the basic checkboxes that a lot of us, myself included, take for granted, you cannot even begin to, to think about sex, right? So how could we ever deprive people of that? And again, this is part of why we in New York so desperately want and need a defending of the police department. Um, we'll see what happens. I think this is going to be a little bit of a long struggle because it comes down to the police union. And scarily enough, the police unions are very, very powerful. Um, so that's fun. Uh, we shall see. 
I have faith in 2020. I think this is a catalyst for a lot of change and true equality. It won't happen immediately, but I think this is gonna be big. And I hear a helicopter over us again at, mm, oh, oh my God, oh my God. If this helicopter is for what I think it is, at 12 p.m. was a children's march at Barclays Center. Jesus Christ. It's so dumb. I'm gonna sign off. This has truly turned into a very long intro outro. Thank you guys for being here. We'll be back next week. <laughs>